So we continue our sermon series and Advent series on carols of Christmas. As we've heard through many times, through song and through speaking, today's carol is Come All Ye Faithful. The song is a well-known Christian carol that invites God's people to come to Bethlehem to see God reveal himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So today, in faith, we spiritually make that journey. And today we look at faith from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a book about persevering in the faith. In fact, I think many of us know that familiar chapter from Hebrews 11. It's, it's a well-known chapter talking about biblical heroes of faith, talking about Abel and, and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Moses and so many others. But today we're not going to be focusing on these names, these heroes of faith. Today we're, we're going to be talking about our own faith, but we're not going to be focusing even on our own faith. But we're going to be looking at the object of our faith. We look to Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews it, he doesn't start off his letters by saying who he is or to whom he's writing to. On other letters in the New Testament, they'll often give a greeting and a blessing in the book. But Hebrews doesn't do that. This letter does not do that. This author gets right into it. The author starts right away with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. In a fictional novel from our church library, Christian author Ted Decker, in his book titled Blink, talks about and makes a statement that everybody has faith in something. Everybody has faith in something. Even evolutionists, he goes on to say. But it's what you put your faith in that's important. You see, the most important thing about faith is not faith itself, but the object of our faith. In response to God's awesome gift of salvation by grace, we are called to put our faith in Christ alone and believe and trust in Christ. You know, I can put a lot of faith into a chair that's weak and rickety. And as much faith as I have, if I were to sit down on this weak and rickety chair, the chair is going to collapse. And I'll probably find myself sitting on the floor. My problem wasn't that I lacked faith. My problem was the weakness of the object that I put my faith in. Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. And we're called to put our faith in Christ. Put your faith in Christ our Savior. Because He is the only way to eternal life. And He sets us free from all our sins. Have faith in Christ. So Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. And He has proven Himself trustworthy. He created the world in which we live in. He came and lived a blameless life without sin. He served and sacrificed to the point of dying on the cross for all our sins. And then he overcame death. And he rose from the dead because he came as God in the flesh. And he rose in the flesh. And he has power over death. And he has power over life. And he ascended into heaven and he will return again. 
And scripture says all this about Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our faith. Faith calls us to believe in him as we know Jesus as given to us through his word. So this letter of Hebrews was written to believers, written to Christians. They had faith. But during this time, they were being persecuted. And they were, being, they were slipping back into Judaism because of their persecution. You see, the object of their faith was moving away from Jesus towards the Jewish laws and traditions. And you've got to understand that these laws and these traditions were blessings. But these laws and these laws and traditions were used to point to Jesus Christ. But they were not meant to be worshipped. These laws and traditions were not there to put in order for us to put our faith in. Again, the Jewish laws and the former practices, they were all important. Christ is more important. Christ is to be the object of our faith. So the author of the book of Hebrews is encouraging the Christians to not to go back relying on the law and the prophets to save you. In fact, as Paul notes in one of his letters to the Galatian church, in Galatians chapter 6, 12 to 15, he goes to say that the law cannot save you. In Romans 8 verse 3, Paul states, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So the author of Hebrews is writing to people not to go back to your former religion of Judaism. The law and the prophets are not abolished. They are fulfilled in Christ. And the relationship with the law is not the same as a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we bring it to today's context. There are many believers in this world who are being persecuted for having a relationship with Jesus. And it's our prayer that God will give these believers the grace to endure the persecution. We here in our Western culture, we're not in the context of persecution. Are there hardships today in Western civilization? Of course there is. There's hardships and there's strong temptations. And we need to put on the armor of God, as Paul states in Ephesians 6. But we don't live with persecution in our lives. Now we can all be distracted easily by our culture and the context we live. So we need, all need to ensure that our faith is in nothing else but Jesus Christ. So just as the ancient folks needed to turn their attention to Jesus today, we too need to be encouraged to turn our attention to Jesus. Because we all have faith in something. No matter who we are, we believe, we trust, we have faith. We need to ensure the foundation and object of our faith is Christ alone. So Hebrews goes on to state how God speaks to his people in the past and in the present. God speaks to his people 
God comes to us. He comes to us and he reveals himself to us. He doesn't have to come to us. He chooses to come to us. Now also knowing, of course, that on our own, we would not come to him. So God initiates the relationship with us. He initiates the relationship with his people. Again, I think it's always important. One thing I tell so many people, especially in classes, the young adult classes, making public profession of faith or faith formation, this is important to keep in mind how God initiates, we respond. God initiates, we respond. God reveals himself to us through creation. We have the opportunity to respond and praise him. God revealed himself to his, through the prophets, and he calls people to respond. God reveals himself on his own initiative through his son, Jesus Christ, and he calls us to respond in faith. John Calvin, in his Institutes, states that all humanity has knowledge of God and has been implanted in our minds by God. We're all made in God's image. However, sin has distorted that knowledge. And again, on our own, we will not get a clear picture of who God is and what he has done. And on our own, we will be unable to respond to God. So again, God takes the initiative. So in the Old Testament, God initiated his presence and spoke to his people through the prophets. The writer of Hebrews looks back at the past and states how God has spoken by prophets. The glory of the Lord was displayed in the Old Testament in many, way, in many times and in various ways, says the writer. And one of those ways was through the prophets. And the prophets communicated on behalf of God to the people. And God used different prophets over several hundreds of years. He used what's, what we refer to as major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He used what we refer to as minor prophets, Jonah, Obadiah, and Zechariah. And he used other prophets that didn't even write books in, in the Old Testament. Nathan, Hanani, and Shemaiah. God used prophets at many times. And he used these prophets in various ways. God's instructions and words were revealed to the people through Old Testament commands and through stories and visions and dreams, through mighty acts, even a small voice just to name a few. And these stories are part of God's word today for his people today to learn to grow. And although this revelation through the prophets was important and necessary as God's communication to his people, it was not complete. It was not fulfilled. You know, the prophets did not even know all that was going to transpire. They too, they had to respond in faith. The prophets knew what they were told by God and they passed this information, this, this prophetic word from God to the people. As we read in 2 Peter 2 verse 21, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as, as they, carried, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They spoke on God's behalf, and they didn't know everything. They spoke of a Savior. 
They pointed people's hearts and lives and faith to the Savior. But they gave people bits and pieces of, of the gospel message. It wasn't complete. As Hebrews says, a new revelation was to come. And Hebrews 1 verse 2 states, in, the, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. Now, these last days that the writer's talking about were already the ancient days during this time of the writing. But they're also the present days. We're still in the last days today. And communication has changed in the scriptures. Again, the older communication is through the prophets. The newer communication is through the Son. The prophets of the days, the old days, were many. The Son in the last days is one. So this opening part of the letter to the Hebrews is talking about God speaking to us about His Son through His Word. The message has not changed, but the means has. As Jesus states in Matthew 5, 17, don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them but to fulfill them. In John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You see, the author of Hebrews points people's attention back to the Savior, to Jesus Christ. The laws and traditions are important, but they don't save. Jesus saves and put your faith in Jesus. And he summarized that law in love. So in these verses, these first few verses, we learn more about our object of faith. We learn more about Jesus. Verse 3a, we read that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So when we come to know the sun and his character and his love, we come to know God. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. Jesus is God. God made the universe. And with any artist, you can tell something about the artist through the artwork. And God reveals himself to us through creation. And we can get a glimpse of the creator through creation. Again, we can't fully know the creator through creation. We can't fully know God, rather, through the creation. We can't fully know God even through the prophets. God reveals to us his son, and his son is the word made flesh. So through the scriptures, through his word, we get to know the living word. We get to know Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we know God. And put your faith in him. Verse 3b, we read that Jesus had provided purification of sins. Again, the Jewish practices included ritual and traditional sacrifices in order to purify people from their sins. But now Jesus has come. And Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice for all people's sins. The law and the prophets and the traditions do not save the people. 
They point us to our sins, but only Jesus saves. The Jewish people were reading this, and they knew the temple laws, and they knew the rules, and they knew that in order for sin to be paid, that blood had to be shed. In order to be purified from sins, whether it was a goat or a bull or a lamb, something had to be killed and the blood spilled. And Hebrews, here it states that Jesus provided that purification. His blood has been spilled once and for all. So people, put your faith in him. And then in verse 3 we read that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. That Jesus reigns. That he is king. That he came to this earth and he was God in the flesh. And as we said, he suffered, he died, he rose from the dead. And in bodily form he ascended into the heaven. And he sits at the right hand of God the Father. He's the king. And he reigns on behalf of his people in heaven. Congregation, have faith in Jesus. In verse 4, we read that Jesus is superior to the angels. And the word superior or similar words are used several times in this book of Hebrews. Jesus is superior to the angels. You know, in a world where there's still so many voices out there competing for our attention... I mean, especially around Christmas time, you get so many advertisements or emails or snail mail or text messages and Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, newspapers, magazines, TV, radio, and the list goes on. Things that can try to win our attention. Who do we listen to? What or who do we rely on? Who do we put our faith in? Brothers and sisters, we listen to the Son of God. He is God. He is superior. He's superior to the angels. He's superior to the law. He's superior to the prophets. Everything we need for our salvation, we find in the Son. Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God. We're called to reflect Jesus, but we're not Jesus. But we are called to put our faith in Him. Reflect Him. Represent Him on this earth. And how can we reflect the actions of Jesus in our lives today? How can we best reflect God's glory within ourselves and to others in the church and in our community, in this world? Well, we need to begin by putting our complete faith in Him. And in Him alone. We need to follow His command as summarized. Love God. And love one another. People, it's not too difficult. And as we approach Christmas Day, we are called to come to God. To come to God as His faithful people. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Come, let us adore him. And know that God has come to us first. That he has come to us as our faithful God. And we can respond to him in faith.
Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, God of revelation, God who initiates and comes to his people through the prophets and through the Son and through your Holy Spirit, we thank you for entering into a relationship with us, and we thank you for not leaving us on our own. And for those who might be here this morning and are not yet in a relationship with you, through the power of your Spirit, prompt your people to know you, to have faith in you, in you alone. And for those who have a relationship, continue to increase one's faith. Work in each of us through the power of your Holy Spirit to recognize that you come to us first and that we, through your Spirit, are able to respond in faith and obedience. So may our faith be in Christ alone. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.